You're listening to the Living Presence Podcast, exploring faith, meeting the world, from East Gwillimbury, Ontario. My name is Brianne Swan, and I am the community minister with the Living Presence Ministry, an emergent community ministry of the United Church of Canada, which operates on the traditional territory of the Chippewa of Georgina Island First Nation. I send you all greetings from Winnipeg, Manitoba, where I am attending classes at the Center for Christian Studies. This week's course is on power and privilege. And next week, we'll be exploring health, pain, and trauma. I'm on my laptop without my usual audio setup, so this week's episode will be a little more rough. But I just wasn't able to bring my entire desktop setup, my computer, my mic stands, and microphones on the airplane when I flew in yesterday afternoon. Throughout Lent, or at least the Sundays I'm in Ontario, I'll be leading worship services at York Pines United Church in Kettleby. We've been using a curriculum from a sanctified art around themes of cultivating and letting go. So the reflections you're hearing on the show are the same reflections, altered slightly for a podcast format, that the York Pines congregation has heard in their worship service. I actually had two reflections in my head last week. The first was pretty much worked out until we heard about the massacre at Christ Church in New Zealand. 50 worshippers killed, just as many injured. The news took my breath away when I heard, and I'm sure, like every other person who was leading worship this week, I had to write a sermon number two. It's impossible not to talk about what happened on some level, and we're going to do a little bit of that today. We're going to hear one of the foundational stories to a number of faiths, read to us by the Reverend Daniel Hayward. It is a covenant between God and Abram, later known as Abraham. We're going to hear some words spoken at a vigil held on Sunday, March 18th by the Newmarket Islamic Center, as well as some poetry by Sarah Eyre of the Ministry Art Collective, A Sanctified Art. But first, here is a song by British singer-songwriter Sami Yusuf from his 2010 album, Wherever You Are. It is titled... Salam, which means peace in Arabic. You can find Sami Yusuf online by going to www.samiyusufofficial.com.
dream for a day when there'll be no more misery. There's no more hunger, no need for shelter. Isn't there enough to share, or is it that we just don't care? We're here for a day or two. Let me show my This is Dan Hayward. I'm in Ingleside, Ontario, sitting in my car right on the 45th parallel. So I am exactly halfway between the equator and the North Pole. 45th parallel road in Ingleside runs uh, uh, beside Highway 401, uh, North America's busiest highway, which goes across southern Ontario. And the uh, 
main uh, rail uh, passenger and freight line between Montreal and Toronto. Uh, just south of me, past Ingleside Newington United Church, is the St. Lawrence River, the seaway connecting the Great Lakes to the Atlantic Ocean. If these uh, buildings and trees weren't in the way, I would be able to see the American border and into New York State. Well, I know exactly where I am on the Earth's surface thanks to the sign telling me it's the 45th parallel and the GPS in my car. But all this talk of uh, navigation and borders and travel and migration uh, puts me in mind of our reading about uh, two of the great characters of the Bible, uh, Abram and Sarai, who later in their story in the book of Genesis get new names from God as Abraham and Sarah, who travel from what is now Iraq across the Middle East as far as Egypt and places that we can still find on maps of Israel and the Palestinian territories today. This reading is from the book of Genesis, uh, from the 15th chapter, the 1st to 12th verses, and then verses 17 to 18. After these events, the Lord's word came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your protector. Your reward will be very great. But Abram said, Lord God, what can you possibly give me? since I still have no children. The head of my household is Eliezer, a man from Damascus. He continued, Since you haven't given me any children, the head of my household will be my heir. The Lord's word came immediately to him. This man will not be your heir. Your heir will definitely be your very own biological child. Then he brought Abram outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if you think you can count them. He continued, This is how many children you will have. Abram trusted the Lord, and the Lord recognized Abram's high moral character. He said to Abram, I am the Lord, who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abram said, Lord God, how do I know that I will actually possess it? He said, Bring me a three-year-old female calf, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a dove, and a young pigeon. He took all of these animals, split them in half, and laid the halves facing each other, but he didn't split the birds. When vultures swooped down on the carcasses, Abram waved them off. After the sun set, Abram slept deeply. A terrifying and deep darkness settled over him. After the sun had set and darkness had deepened, a smoking vessel with a fiery flame passed between the split-open animals. That day the Lord cut a covenant with Abram. To your descendants I give you this land, from Egypt's river to the great Euphrates, together with the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. 
And that is our reading, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That was Dan Hayward in Ingleside, Ontario, reading from the 15th chapter of Genesis. So last week was March break, which is always a really busy week for my family and me. We have day camps and I have work meetings with my small children present. So on Thursday, I piled both kids, our dog, and a whole lot of Captain Underpants books into our car to visit my mother two hours away in Stratford. For my kids, visiting grandma is a whole bunch of super awesome fun times. Because the rules, they're just different at grandma's. She buys all the sugary cereal that we were never allowed to eat when I was growing up. She lets them play on her iPad, which they never get to do at home, and she lets them stay up just a little bit longer than normal. One more show, one more story, one more snuggle. Life is pretty good at grandma's. And me, I just watch it all happen. And it means a lot to my mom to get to spend time with her only grandkids. It means a lot to Isaiah and Simon to spend time with the only grandparent that they have within driving distance. I get to spend time with my mom and my two brothers. And so when I went to bed on Thursday night, I was feeling pretty warm and fuzzy. Life is very beautiful, I thought, with so many people here I love all in one place. But then I woke up on Friday morning. I made a coffee. I turned on CBC radio. And then the news came on. 49 people dead. 49 people wounded in two mosques. Shot, adults, children, killed as they gathered to worship, to pray, to speak with and listen to God, just as many of us do in places of worship around the world. And honestly, not so unlike where we find Abram in our story from Genesis today. God is present, and Abram is listening and speaking. Actually, it sounds a little bit like he might be complaining. God, you have given me everything, all the things, and yet I don't have the thing I want most of all. Everything I have will be handed over to my slave when I die. When are you going to give me a kid of my own? And if Dan had kept reading for us, we would have heard about how God does give Abram a child. In fact, God gives him two. Remember, Abram and his wife Sarai are very old at this point in their story. Sarai gives Abram her Egyptian slave Hagar as a second wife, and Hagar conceives a son, 
and his name is Ishmael. But then God gives Abram, now Abraham, a second son named Isaac, born to Sarai, whose name changes to Sarah. But after a quarrel, Abraham casts Ishmael and his mother Hagar out into the wilderness. Isaac goes on to be the second patriarch and the grandfather of the twelve tribes of Israel. Now I know that many of you know these stories. They are some of the foundational stories of the Christian and Jewish traditions. But I've been thinking this past week about the differences in fortunes for Ishmael and Isaac. Now, I don't mean to insinuate that Ishmael doesn't come out okay in the Torah account. God promises to take care of him, but traditionally, Judaism and Christianity have not treated Ishmael kindly in their folklore, with Isaac being the heir to the Abrahamic covenant. But in Islam, Ishmael is revered as a prophet and patriarch of the faith. According to the Quran, while Hagar and Ishmael were wandering in the desert, Ishmael became faint with thirst, so Hagar placed him under a bush and began running between two hills searching for water. An angel appeared to her and told Hagar to pick Ishmael up. As his heel grazed the ground, water sprung from the earth. And the place where this is said to have occurred is traditionally understood to be where Mecca now sits, the holiest of cities. And the act of providing water is commemorated with Muslims running between the hills of Safa and Mawah during the rites of Hajj, an annual Islamic pilgrimage. It is held that Muhammad, a prophet and the founder of Islam, is a descendant of Ishmael. Three Abrahamic faiths with differing views about these heirs of Abraham. And as time moves on and on, the divisions between these faiths have grown. We have circled around our tribes, declared who's in and who's out, and all the while forgetting that we come from much of the same places though our stories have been formed and refined in different times and in different contexts. This week, churches following the Revised Common Lectionary would have also heard a story about Jesus meeting up with the Pharisees in the 13th chapter of Luke. The reading goes, At that very hour... Some Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. Whenever I hear this passage, or really any passage concerning the Pharisees, I always think of a song I used to sing in vacation Bible school when I was a kid. It goes, I just want to be a sheep, ba-ba, I just want to be a sheep. Ba-ba, to praise the Lord, my soul to keep. I just want to be a sheep. Ba-ba. And then there's a second verse. 
I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to be a Pharisee. Cause they're not fair, you see. I don't want to be a Pharisee. Oh boy. Christians, we really give Pharisees a bad rap. And that happens, I think, because most of the stories we have in the Gospels set the Pharisees up as a foil to Jesus. They are always debating, but most accounts have them debating in the style and manner particular to the Jewish tradition of the time. We hear about the Pharisees so much because they were actually accessible. The rabbinic tradition in Judaism evolved from the Pharisees. The Sadducees were deep inside the temple. They were the power elites of the time. And for the Sadducees, the temple was necessary for the worship of God. For the Pharisees, as long as one kept the law and the commandments, the temple was not fundamentally necessary. So you can understand then, after the second temple was destroyed in 70 AD, how the tradition of the Pharisees was able to survive and evolve. So we have the Pharisees warning Jesus. Dude, get out of here, they say. Herod wants to kill you. The Pharisees and Jesus They are not actually that far off from one another. But the Pharisees think Jesus is going too far, ruffling too many feathers. And he's going to die for it. It's a bit like the opening scene of Jesus Christ Superstar, when Judas is begging Jesus to listen to him because he's getting to be just a bit too much for the powers that be. The Romans... And the Judean leadership will only accept so much. I am frightened by the crowd, for we are getting much too loud. And they'll crush us if we go too far, if we go too far. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus Christ Superstar is an accurate reflection of any of the four Gospels. But Judas's words, he's right, of course, because we know how all of this ends. And yet from medieval art to my VBS camp songs, Christians have demonized the Pharisees. And often, by extension, the Jewish people for almost 2,000 years. I grew up in a church being told that the Jews killed Jesus. Our supersessionist and quite frankly anti-Judaic roots run deep, so deep, that I still catch myself using language suggesting Christianity as a more evolved form of Judaism. It's subtle, but it's wrong. But that is the tradition that I come from. I push back, but I am not perfect. 
Christians and Jews, Christians and Muslims, Muslims and Jews, we are one dysfunctional set of siblings, my friends. As I listened to, read, and watched more reports of the Christchurch attack, my heart began to break open wider and wider until I could barely take it anymore. One man being interviewed by a reporter said that when the gunman walked into the door as people were gathering to worship, the first thing he would have heard were the words, Welcome, brother. Welcome, brother. And that if maybe he had paused just for a second to really hear those words, this tragedy might never have happened. There was a great Twitter thread I came across last night while rewriting this reflection. Rami Islami found it strange that the media kept referring to the mosques targeted in Friday's massacre as peaceful mosques. As if most every mosque isn't peaceful. It's like insinuating we need to point out the peaceful churches. So he asked Muslims to talk about all the ordinary mundane things that go on in their houses of worship. One man wrote, At my local mosque, the third floor has been abandoned and completely taken over by pigeons. A woman wrote, There is this battle of the thermostat in the ladies' prayer room. We compromised, and the menopausal women now have a fan blasting in front of them. Someone else wrote, For Eid once... This mom was trying to pray, as we all were, and her two little girls were using us women as posts to hide behind while playing tag. Everyone was trying so hard not to laugh, keeping their heads down. And the poor mom was furious and embarrassed. It was great. This sounds like every single Sunday that I take my two children when I do pulpit supply at a local church congregation. We are moving through a theme this Lent, cultivating and letting go. This week, I think I pray that I can let go of othering, placing people into categories set apart and set up for conflict. There are so many ways in which we other people. And as I mentioned earlier, I am not perfect, nor am I immune to this othering. I find that I do it most with fundamentalist Christians. To be honest, they drive me batshit crazy. I don't understand how they believe what they believe. I don't understand how they separate some of the words of Jesus from their actions in the world. And so I other them and I judge them. 
and it's not always very helpful. And I mean this honestly and sincerely. It is not helpful for me to shut down and shut off. And so I wish to cultivate dialogue. Dialogue with those who are different, who make me angry and who push all of my buttons. This whole exchange with Abram and God, it's a dialogue. Abram's annoyed. He is questioning God and God's promises to him. But what is beautiful here is that God does not respond in anger. God does not dismiss Abram or abandon Abram. God listens. God understands and God lovingly responds. God does not require of us a blind faith. God welcomes the questioning because it is only in the questioning and the exploration that we can bring our deepest, most authentic selves to God. There are many Muslim people who are connected with the Living Presence Ministry. I fast with them during Ramadan, celebrate during Eid. They are my people, and they are hurting. Later on, we will hear some words from a vigil hosted by the New Market Islamic Center last Sunday. I was there, and it was incredibly moving to see the community rally together around our friends and neighbors. One hundred people sitting and listening, saying, we love you. Letting go of othering cultivating dialogue. Allahu Akbar. Only room for one inside this town He laid it on the Nothing but the sun to hide our tracks We'll take it as a sign And do it all again for you I'd say the words, I'd give it all I'd bear the time from despair a tiny hill can mark where others kneel the wild and the tame can't walk the same they bought a different deals and do it all again for you I'd say the words I'd give it all
heard this vow, he laid it on the line. Raging at the way we sigh and lay, it might as well start now. Say the words, I'd bear your bones, I'd do it all again for you. This land that's not my home, this land that's not my home, oh, this land is not my home. was the story of Hagar and Ishmael, told from Hagar's perspective in my song, This Land Is Not My Home, from my 2015 album Letters Home. You can find my music by going to iTunes or Spotify or the show notes for the Living Presence podcast. Letting Go by Sarah Eyre People throw around the phrase, let it go, like a child throws out laughter, easy and light. I wish that's how I knew it. I wish it felt that simple. Instead, I have to talk myself into a better frame of mind. I have to drag one foot in front of the other until I'm closer to love. I have to sing my mother's words in my head until I can't hear anything else. And I pray for letting go that feels like taking off shoes, a sort of coming home. I pray for letting go that won't always involve a battle between heart and mind. I pray for letting go that moves like muscle memory, but never does. Letting go has never been as easy as holding tight. Why is that? So now and again, I stand in the rain and let the clouds teach me a thing or two about release. And when that doesn't work, I think about the way my mother's body broke so that she could let me go. Yet another body broken for me. And when that doesn't work, I find myself on my knees, a sort of coming home. And I pray, teach me a thing or two about grace. Teach me a thing or two about letting go. And I inhale. Mm -hmm. 
air drawn in, air let go, and I recognize God in my lungs, and I can't help but laugh, easy and light. We need to stand shoulder to shoulder to eradicate this hatred which is being allowed to breed in our societies. We need to stand strong against any forms of hatred, bigotry, and xenophobia that lead to injustice, to senseless forms of violence, to the shedding of innocent blood. Our words make a difference, but it is our actions alongside our words that make a much greater difference. And I'm, I am confident in my fellow Canadian communities that we will stand together. We as a community are very thankful and appreciative of all the support, sympathy, and goodwill we have received over the past few days from our Prime Minister, our Mayor, our MP, MPP, leaders of, leaders of other faith, and ordinary citizens. These terrorists do what they do to divide and fuel hate, but we are seeing with our own eyes th that the exact opposite is happening. Different communities are coming together, getting to know each other, bonding with each other, and strengthening their relations with one another. And I am confident that we will always stand together and not let evil forces bring divide between us. I end with a short prayer. O God of Abraham, Moses, Jesus, Muhammad, O God, you are peace, from you emanates peace. Glorified and exalted be you, O possessor of majesty and bounty. O God, keep our communities safe, keep our sanctuaries safe, replace our difficulties with ease and our hardships with grace. Console our hearts and allow us to be a means to bring about mercy, justice, compassion in our world, and grant us wisdom. Grant us forbearance and perseverance to do so, for you are the most merciful of the merciful. Amen. That was Imam Muhammad Bamat from the New Market Islamic Center with words and prayer from the vigil the center hosted on Sunday, March 17th to commemorate and mourn the deaths of the 50 slain worshippers from Christchurch, New Zealand. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'll be back next week, the third week of Lent, with some more scripture, some more music, some more poetry, and some words of reflection. But until then, take care of yourselves. We'll see you next time.
This podcast is brought to you by the Living Presence Ministry, a community ministry of the United Church of Canada. You can find us online at www.livingpresenceministry.org.